Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278. In the Gospels, Jesus asks his disciples an important question. Who do you say I am? Over 2,000 years later, this question continues to reverberate in the human heart. Some have only given this question a cursory thought. Others have spent years pondering the answer, searching the scriptures and looking for evidence. This spring, Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry team with researchers and experts who have studied the Shroud of Turin to once again pose Christ's question to you. Who do you say I am? Hello and welcome to From Womb to Tomb. This is a presentation from the St. Raymond Nonatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. You can learn about us at nonatus.org. We're also joined by Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network. So pleased to be able to collaborate with these two amazing networks and radio podcasts. I am joined on this show by Bill Snyder. He is the founder of Patchwork Heart Ministry. Please check out patchworkheart.org and patchworkheartradio.org. And Mickey Kelly, who is the president of the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. And so this is part two of From Womb to Tomb. And on part one, we did a big focus on uh, abortion and on con con conception until natural death and what it means to be pro-life in terms of protecting human life and really honoring a human life and, and infants in the womb. And Mickey shared a lot with us about his work in pro, the pro-life world. And it was just a great conversation. So if you didn't get to, a chance to watch part one, make sure you go to our website and also to uh, Patchwork Heart Ministry on Facebook and on the website as well and check it out. So without further ado, Bill, Mickey, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to be with you, Anne. Great to be back again, Ann. That's right. 
And so we're going to delve into several topics during the show. We're going to talk about dealing with health issues and sickness, euthanasia, uh, making outreach, making outreach to people who are feeling marginalized, such as the poor, the sick, and the homeless, people like that, and also end-of-life issues, because the Catholic Church teaches so much about what we need to do in order to help people and to make them feel accepted, loved, because being pro-life really means all of those different stages of life. It, of course, means uh, the beginning of life, which is most important, just being allowed, right? Being allowed to be born into this world um, and having that right to life. And so on this show, we're going to talk about, you know, how can we continue that? How can we continue to be pro-life from conception all the way through to the end of our lives? And I know on this show, we're also going to talk about um, issues such as the death penalty too. So why don't we just start with, you know, let's recap a little bit about what we talked about on the last one. Maybe Mickey, you can fill us in on that one. Sure, Anne. So the debate really begins like, of course, you know, like I, I think what we've seen in our, our culture today is that Ronald Reagan had a very good quote when he said that he believed that those who are for abortion are already born. And he he wasn't and there's been there's a lot of truth to that. And we're surrounded in our culture, especially when we look at some of the polls saying that there are like two third Catholics who support abortion. But of course, they also at the same time reject euthanasia, the death penalty, unjust wars, assisted suicide, the, the case, whatever other forms of, of human destruction. Yet they accept abortion. And abortion is the is the abomination of 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 human life. And sadly, I mean, thankfully, there has been a lot of progress, you know, for half a century you know thanks to people who have done bracketeering for like the late the late joe shiler you had a movement that has grown many of my many of my peers are a part of it and you know there's a chance that we could be navigating a post row world but the need to def to protect life at this most vulnerable stage the moment of conception is needed. And as we were talking the last time, we were going back and forth about, you know, being peaceful and, and mercifully present outside of abortion facilities. And your presence could really make a difference. And also, too, the, the, the other thing that we also discussed um, in the previous episode is that we life is sacred. And God is the author of life. And it must never be rejected. It must be defended at all costs. Absolutely. It must be defended at all costs. And thank you for sharing on that. And with that said, it brings us into this episode, episode number two. And I'm looking at our catechism, the Catholic Church in part three, Life in Christ. It says that in number 2258, that human life is sacred because from its beginning, it involves the creative action of God and it remains forever in a special relationship with the creator who is its sole end. God alone is the Lord and life from its beginning until its end 
No one can under any circumstance claim for himself the right directly to destroy an innocent human being. And so um, as it goes on in the catechism, it talks about the respect for human life and the witness of sacred history. And there is quite a history there. Even we look at the Old Testament, our New Testament, and the command of Christ to, to honor life. And right, Christ really lived that way. He, he lived in a way to, to show all of us that every single life means something. It's, it's, it's important. It means something. I know that when Mickey and I have gone to places like to pray in front of an abortion facility, one time we were walking down the street and Mickey probably knows the story I'm about to tell, but there was a homeless man on the road and he was laying there on, on the sidewalk and Mickey, you know, Mickey walked over and he double checked on him. He asked him if he was okay. Did he need anything? Can I help you out, buddy? And, you know, to me, that says a lot in terms of what it really means to be pro-life. I don't know if either of you want to expand on that, because when we care about all human life, including a long time after someone is born, right, sometimes people accuse uh, those who are involved in pro-life as only being pro-birth. But we know that as Catholics that we're called to be pro-life in every way. Yeah, absolutely. Anne. And I think one of the big things is that it has to be a consistent ethic, as you just mentioned, right? Like from conception until natural death is what we believe. And when you look at that, when you, when you examine the right to life, it means a right to life from its very, very beginning to its very, very end. And there's some things in there, um, you know, that we talk about innocent life being the most important thing to protect, right, um, with abortion. But there are also many other lives, all lives are, are worth the dignity of respecting every single breath and heartbeat. So it doesn't matter, um, you know, whether you are homeless, it doesn't matter whether you are a millionaire, it doesn't matter um, whether you are successful or not successful. What matters is that that right to life is, um, you know, re respected. So the, the Catholic Church says we also have to respect our own bodies, right? Like uh, you want to toss in issues with um, euthanasia or with suicide. Like the, we, we are to respect our own bodies in addition to um, respecting others' bodies um, and that we are a creation created by God and God has numbered our days. God has said, um, you know, this is what your life um, is worth. I paid this price on the cross, and therefore, um, you or no one else gets to take it. Um, and and so certainly, you know that is something that I think we often wrestle with in our culture on many different levels. Right? We met, we um, wrestle with being consistent with the right to life. Uh, and so 
I'm excited to examine that. I, I think uh, it's fascinating that uh, we, we brought up um, some of those topics like homelessness. Um, you're going to talk about, you know, death penalty, abortion. Uh, we've talked about abortion. Uh, all of these things, I think it's just a beautiful way to reinforce our commitment to life and that it is to be respected um, at all times. Yes, thank you, Bill. And I'm glad that you touched on a lot of those areas because, you know, they're ones that are mentioned right in our catechism, you know, the catechism of the Catholic Church. And I'm looking at the one on euthanasia. It's on number 2276 for those of you who do like to check out those resources on our catechism. It says those whose lives are diminished or weakened deserve special respect. Sick or handicapped persons should be helped to lead lives as normal as possible. Whatever its motives and means, direct euthanasia consists in putting an end to the, li the lives of handicapped, sick, or dying persons. It is morally unacceptable. And so it's good that you know, as Catholics, we have this resource like the, the catechism because it's inspired by Christ and, and written by those who prayed so much, bishops and cardinals, people that came together and wrote these words and prayed upon them. Um, and then, Bill, you also mentioned suicide. It says everyone, and this is number two, 2280, everyone is responsible for his life before God who is given to him. It is God who remains the sovereign master of life. We are obliged to accept life gratefully and preserve it for its honor and the salvation of our souls. We are the stewards, not the owners of the life God has entrusted to us. It is not ours to dispose of. And in the catechism, if you back it up a little bit in that same area, it talks about homicide too, because taking someone else's life, obviously that's not, you know, not honoring life. And so there's so many aspects to it, isn't there? When you really think about how we can honor life, Mickey, I didn't know if you had anything to say on that. Well, and I think it's great that you touched on the, well, the, you know, like when we, we talked about suicide then, and we also backtracked a little bit with homicide. And of course, you know, given the fact that I'm, I live in the city of Philadelphia and about a year ago, we, in 2021, we actually surpassed the total number of homicides like for the first time in like a little over three decades and it's very sad it's very alarming to see something like that happening and it's not just philadelphia but cities like chicago detroit um baltimore new york boston you know major cities like that i mean we, we could take this time to you know point fingers that like who's leading these cities but you know politics aside for now but we have to really understand that there are people out there that just don't have no regard for human life whatsoever and it's not and of course you know the previous episode we somewhat you know hint at the people that work in the medical facilities who who think that they're, they're doing honest work when you know in god's eye they they are they're doing evil and of course they do need our prayers but here what we look at is you know you look at some of these people, and I remember a priest was saying this, and this was uh, during a, a homily he gave for the seventh Sunday of ordinary of ordinary time about the message of when Jesus talks about loving your enemies and do good to those who hate you that from the Gospel of Luke. And in it, 
I think like when he in reflecting on that on that um on that gospel, people do it out of pure hatred. Like it's like um I, I don't know, I, I honestly cannot describe it. But what I do believe is what we need now is well, aside from we do need Jesus to come now. If I, I am for that for sure, but we we have to understand we have to stop holding these grudges. And that, that's why there's all these homicides happening. Like people just it, it's an act of cowardice committed by these people. Like you can't just like walk up to them like, hey, why are you why are you different to me with this? Or you know, why do you have to like whew. man, I don't know. I, I, I mean I just like I just like see stuff like that in the movies instead of like real life so and also too like going also to suicide um i always think of this scene like in it's a wonderful life and we actually talked about this quite a few times Dan. whether it's like some of our recordings together or when we had um conversations like off the camera or off the recordings but I always think of like that scene where the pivotal moment of that movie when George was George Bailey was at the was like hanging around like the the walkway of the bridge and he was contemplating suicide. But then he saw his guardian angel like, well, someone was like in the river and he jumped in and the angel said, well, I'm preventing you from, you know, taking your own life. And I honestly, I thought that was like one of the most powerful like one of the most powerful things that you can really see in it in, in, in a movie, even though like it didn't do so well at first, but it became, you know, a Christmas classic that, you know, airs on NBC, you know, year in and year out. And of course, you know, given for me, like I, I've, I've struggled with like suicidal thoughts from time to time. In fact, I had a recent episode about it, you know, a year, um, a year ago when I had that ordeal that happened to me. And mental health is really a, a big epidemic happening now, especially among uh, my peers. And now there's like many that are having that problem as well, that the suicide rates. And of course, you know, especially we're trying to come out of this um, pandemic, so to speak, because there's been a high rise of uh, suicides and mental Ill illnesses. And of course, I just like to, to say to people who who are struggling mentally, whether it's because of the pandemic, you lost a job or you're a veteran who maybe seeing what's going on, you know, with the events and unraveling between Ukraine and Russia, just know that there is help out there. And I strongly encourage you to please reach out, whether it's a suicide hotline, get to adoration if you can. Most importantly, you're needed in this world. That's the bottom line. God put you here for a reason. And taking the easy way out is going to not just take that pain away, but it's going to pass it on to loved ones that were very close to you. Yeah. And if you're suffering, take it to the foot of the cross because Jesus died for you. Yeah, you know, that's so well put, Mickey. And I think that, you know, you're spot on when it comes to the aspect of suffering, right? Like, you know, we have in our modern culture decided that suffering is bad, right? Like, like we've made the, um, 
decision that suffering is bad. And we have figured out ways to avoid suffering, right? I mean, I, I, I don't think God wants us to suffer, but when we allow our sufferings, because every person is going to go through stuff in life, right? Every person is going to go through stuff. It is how we direct our suffering, right? Um, and physical suffering has an incredibly important, and mental suffering, you know, has an incredible importance in our lives if we are able to channel it in the right direction. And, you know, this model is Christ's model, right? Like when we think about it, God's plan of salvation, it didn't include transporting our minds to an altered state or magically doing away with all of our pain. Rather, what he did was he showed us that he was willing to become one of us, experience the human condition, redeem us by suffering suffering an excruciating death for us. I mean, that's the model God himself used. So I think if you want to escape suffering, like, you know, with euthanasia or with suicide, like, use the suffering that you're presently going through. And it can be horrible suffering, a terrible suffering, right? Use it. Bottle it up. And orient it toward the foot of the cross, just as you said, Mickey, because it's so important that we do that. And, and hopefully that there's some encouragement in that, that Christ doesn't leave you alone, right? Like, like he's not saying, oh, you're all alone in this suffering. No, he's actually saying, I am willing to suffer for you and with you to an extent that's beyond what you can suffer, right? Like to an extent beyond what you are able to suffer. I have suffered. I've suffered the rejection. I've suffered the um, the most excruciating physical death on this earth, and also some you know incredible uh, mental trauma. I mean, you know. So he he um, is the model for us. Um, he's the perfect model. So I think um, you have a, a really great. Um, perspective on that, Mickey. It's a really, really good perspective. I agree. I real I enjoyed listening to both of you. So I want to thank you and all the references that Mickey made and, you know, bringing up the fact that it's also sort of what's in our hearts. You know, you hear about murders and homicides and suicides. A lot of things begin in the heart, don't they? And, 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 and we're afraid to speak to people, even in our own homes, because we're avoiding, we want to avoid those arguments or those disagreements. But when we can come to the table and dialogue in some way, in a humane way, right? We need to learn how to do that a little more in society, I think, is bringing it out into bringing, being able to dialogue with people in a humane way instead of having so much anger and hatred and cutting someone off and marginalizing them because you disagree on whatever it is, you know? Um, so that was just great points. And then, Bill, everything that you said, too, um, all ties together with what I wanted to talk about next, because uh, the next two topics, I think, for this program are health. And I also would love to talk about end of life. You know, all of us have elderly friends, whether they're grandparents, parents, whoever. 
but our culture also needs to respect them too, right? And respect the sick and people who are going through rough times. And in our catechism, in number two, two, 2288, under respect for health, it says life and physical health are precious gifts entrusted to us by God. We must take re reasonable care of them, taking into account the needs of others and the common good. Concern for the health of its citizens requires that society help in the attainment of living conditions that allow them to grow and reach maturity, food and clothing, housing, healthcare, and basic education, employment, and social assistance. You know, and that's part of, I think, also what it means to be Catholic. Um, I'm also a board member with the Catholic Charities Appeal. I just have to mention that because a lot of those things that I just talked about are things that the things like a Catholic Charities Appeal is trying to help the poor, the sick, those who don't have support, right? And so when we help them to get the food, the education, the healthcare, all those things, um, we're making a difference for them. Um, the other thing, like I said, I wanted to discuss is uh, elderly people, right? I mean, I know that during the pandemic, it was awfully hard for many of our elderly who were in nursing homes and those who were suffering. I didn't know if we wanted to touch on that because I think it's something that we can never forget is being able to take care of our elderly. I know for me, you know, both of, you know, one of my parents is deceased. My father was, is deceased, was in a nursing home for quite a while uh, and having to take that time now to help my parents. But it, it's such a, a needed thing that we all need to do is to be there for our family and friends. I didn't know if either of you had anything on that. Actually, Anne, yes, I think it's very important because they're going to go when they're suffering, whether it's, you know, like, Alzheimer's, cancer, and most, and there are maybe occasions where they don't really have anyone to visit them. We have a, um, a, a corporal work of mercy known as visit the sick. And, you know, it's one thing that you have, like, say your spouse, like, you know, you know, a grandparent or great grandparent, you know, well, you know, God bless if they have a, you have a great grandparent that lives you know, be close to a hundred years old. I mean, God bless them, especially with the advancement in medicine these days. But I think one of the things like we really have to understand is that the elderly as Pope, well, Pope Francis did mention that the elderly have a reservoir, a reservoir of wisdom and they have something they can pass on to the younger generations. And believe me, I, I, would bet my bottom dollar they would be telling Generation Z, you know, some of the things that they went through, like, you know, when they went through the, the Depression, the Second World War, the list goes on. And one of the things that that really amazes me is that it, one of the things that that would uh, that um that I, I honestly think that the elderly needs it's not just like that that core people but it's just like you know random people i mean of course sometimes you probably hear about these things like let's say like you like from like a nicholas sparks now or like those movies that that are on there and and they're even the elderly they do need companionship and not, not just you know like kind of like a dating kind of thing but they need like people to visit them you know time after time and just like, you know, swipe stories and think about the nurses for, for a moment, like in the, that work in the nursing homes, 
How close do you think they are to some of these residents that live there? And the moment that they are, they leave this earth, I think, well, first of all, they will be very devastated because they got very close to them. They were like their closest friend. Hmm. And of course, you know, well, this goes to like any nurse whatsoever, not just like in the, the nursing homes, but like how often do they have to, like there are maybe like two or three nurses assigned to a certain patient that's uh, staying overnight at the hospital, maybe because of like a heart attack, stroke or whatever else that prompts them to stay in longer than just um, a 12, you know, that would prompt them to stay like overnight or whatsoever. But there is some beauty when younger people get to visit an elderly, whether it's, it's someone close to them and family, or it's just like a neighbor, even just a spontaneous person. And it's just like, you know, week after week, they talk about things and the elderly will probably offer them wisdom. And well, there'll be probably times they'll be like, you know, if especially they're suffering from like dementia and Alzheimer's would be like, you know, they're like, their memory's a little spotty or something, but it also takes some patience too, if, if you can do it. I mean, um, I'll be honest, my, some, sometimes my patience is okay. My, sometimes my patience is not to spend the kind of day I'm having. So, but, but just uh, free, free nickels of advice for people. If you are aware of your neighbor, a family member who is at a nursing home or a rehab center, and maybe they're a little lonely or something, go visit them. It's it's worth it. Trust me. Yeah, and as you mentioned, it's a corporal work of mercy. Visiting the sick, um, visiting those who are you know shut-ins or whatever. I mean, these are corporal works of mercy. Um, and you know, we have to be merciful, especially during this season of Lent. It's something that we can do. Uh, putting our faith into action during this particular season is is also very very important. You know, um, so the more and more um, you visit the more and more you also give dignity to that life, right? Like there's something that you are doing when you give that visit or you share that time. It says your life still matters, right? You're not alone. Um, you know, and, and so doing that is a very important thing. Um, and so, you know, I, I really think that you're both are spot on for, you know, mentioning this as a life issue, right? Visiting the elderly, visiting those who are chronically ill um, and spending time with them um, is totally not only worth it for, for you personally to grow spiritually, but it's also something that is um, necessary to do um, to, to obtain, you know, uh, heaven, right? I mean, Jesus said, those who you visited me when I was sick and in prison, uh, you get to be welcomed into my home. Those who didn't, different story. So um, something, something very important to reflect on, you know, have you been doing that and how have you been doing that? Thank you both for all the wisdom that you're giving us during this program. You know, this is just like a two-part series. Like I'm thinking we need to do more of these. I mean, 
uh, even yeah. though we'll, we'll end it just for this one, but maybe keep a watch out there because we might be able to do it again. Um, we didn't get to touch on, I, I know we're running out of time almost pretty soon, but we didn't get to touch on and, and keep an eye um, some of those other areas, but just, I just invite everyone to go to your catechism and read about issues such as, um, you know, assisted suicide and, you know, all the different health issues that we need to be aware of and what the Catholic response is. And I know that we were also going to touch a little bit on those who are in prison and having respect for them and their families and, you know, and by respect, but what I mean is offering them their prayers for recovery and also being able to uh, make outreach to the families of prisoners and even those who, you know, as Catholics, we don't believe in uh, capital punishment, right? And so read about those things, read and learn about them. Um, but I didn't know if we wanted to, before we ended pretty soon, uh, if any of you had any opinions or anything you wanted to share on any of those areas. I mean, for me, I just would touch on the death penalty very quickly. Um, and that, and that our church really has um, continued to listen. They've continued to listen. Um, Pope John Paul II was an incredible instrumental um, pope in how he approached the the death penalty and the dignity of each human person. In fact. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the 1994 edition, it was his words which were quoted, cases in which the execution of the offender is an absolute necessity are rare if practically non-existent. Um, and again, the church has continued to listen to his voice and to the voices of, of others um, as society has continued to progress. Uh, with its understanding uh, and abolition. And so Pope Francis has taken it even further um, to, the, to the point where uh, he said, recourse to the death penalty on the part of legitimate authority following a fair trial was long considered an appropriate response to the gravity of certain crimes and an acceptable, albeit extreme means of safeguarding the common good. Today, however, there is an increasing awareness that the dignity of the person is not lost even after the commission of profoundly serious crimes. In addition, a new understanding has emerged of the significance of penal sanctions imposed by the state. Lastly, more effective systems of detention have been developed, which ensue the due protection of citizens, but at the same time do not definitively deprive the guilty of the possibility of redemption. Um, and then consequently, the church teaches in the light of the gospel that the death penalty is inadmissible because it is an attack on the inviability and dignity of the person, and she works with, the, and she works with determination for its abolition worldwide. And that was an update to the catechism in 2018. Um, so uh, if you're looking for that, it's paragraph 2267. If you have the 1994 edition of the catechism, you will read John Paul II's, and uh, I do encourage you to take a look at what uh, Pope Francis updated it, which I just read uh, in 2018. Uh, again, it's something that the church has been growing with. I don't think it is a new, <laughs> I don't think it's a new teaching, right? Uh, I think it's a growth and development. Uh, 
of that teaching and um, our understanding, and also the fact that we have significant um, penal sanctions and better modes of detention for, for criminals so they don't go back, back out and reoffend. Like if you have a life sentence and you, you, we now can have a life sentence without parole, and that means that you will remain there until your natural life is over um, and you've drawn your last natural breath without offending anybody else. Um, and we now have that in, in, our, in most countries in this, in this world. And so that's the reason why. So I just you know wanted to throw that in there. It might've been a little long, but I think it's just important to put in there um, on, this, on this topic of um, you know, end of life issues. Uh, Bill, thank you. I'm glad you did, especially that part about the catechism, the update from 2018. I think it's good to know and it's good to check it out. So this might be an episode that you want to listen to again, since we do have a lot of references there and, and places that you can go back. Um, and I think as we're kind of coming to a close pretty soon is that respect for the dying too. That's also in the catechism. It says the dying should be giving attention and care to help them to live their last moments in dignity and peace. They will be helped by the prayer of their relatives who must see to it that the sick receive at the proper time, the sacraments that prepare them to meeting the living God. And maybe that's kind of a good place to end it. Um, aside from the fact that in the catechism also right after that, it talks about safeguarding peace, which I think is a per perfect thing for us to also remember that when we think of respecting life, we think of individual humans, but we have to think about our world too. And that it is a good thing to pray for peace because um, it says in the catechism under 2302 that by recalling the commandment, you shall not kill. Our Lord asked for peace of heart and denounced murderous anger and hatred, hatred as immoral. And that means both individually and also collectively and communally. Right. Yeah. So it's just a good thing to think about. You know, we have a good God, don't we? I mean, we have the sacraments of the church. So for those who are dying, we have you know, that the, the last sacrament that you can receive, that you can be cleansed, right? For people who perhaps they're in nursing homes and perhaps it might even be difficult for them to make a last confession because of something like dementia or Alzheimer's. So it's beautiful that we have these sacraments. Um, and, and I didn't know if either of you had any final words because I'd love to also talk about some resources before we end all of our websites, and also some of those beautiful pro-life websites too that we wanna to draw people to. I just like to say, no matter, I just like to say that choose life, your mother did most especially, um, but life is a gift, your life matters, no matter if you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, Middle Eastern, the most important thing is you are God's children. That's the first and foremost thing. And that's how you must identify yourself as a child of God. Everything else, race, gender can come next. Absolutely. That's a good place to end, I think, almost, isn't it? And uh, let's talk about some of those resources, too, because we're friends with a wonderful pro-life organization. We definitely want to ask you to check them out online. They're called the Pro-Life Union of Greater Philadelphia, where Mickey and I are from, and even where Bill was from originally. 
uh, ProLifeUnion.org. We have the Philly March for Life on Saturday, March 26th in Center City, Philadelphia. So check out that website too. Please join us if you're in the area. And even if you live outside of Philadelphia, everybody's invited. I mean, people come from all over to go to a March for Life. And so we'd love to see you there. I also want to invite you to subscribe to Bill Snyder's podcast at patchworkheartradio.org and Patchwork Heart Ministry. Please do like and subscribe to all of his channels and our very good friends who are probably streaming this for us right now, Fiat Ministry Network and Kent Kolhoski and Jennifer Sinclair, who do so much for us at the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation. We're so blessed. And lastly, please do, if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to our own website at nonatis.org. We are at the St. Raymond Nonatis Foundation on social media and also another one, Philly Nonatis. You could check those two out on all the different channels, you know, Instagram and also Twitter, Facebook, all of those. We'd love to connect with you there and be sure to make your free pastoral consultation with us at nonatis.org on the contact form. Make your appointment with a Mercedarian friar. Everything that we do is free because we're a 501c3 Catholic nonprofit, and we're there for you. The, the church cares, and so does the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation. Thank you, Mickey and Bill, for joining us for this uh, wonderful Womb to Tomb program. Absolutely, and it's awesome, and uh, I agree. We'll have to do more of this. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Anne, and yes, we must do it again. We must. Everyone have a beautiful rest of Lent. Stay in touch with us. We're here for you. And I also invite you to check out the podcast that we do at the Philly Nonatus YouTube channel, Mickey and I, and Bill Snyder and I have the Sewing Hope podcast. If you go to patchworkheartradio.org, you can learn more about that too. A lot of great Catholic programming. We'll see you all next time. God bless. In the Gospels, Jesus asks his disciples an important question. Who do you say I am? Over 2,000 years later, this question continues to reverberate in the human heart. Some have only given this question a cursory thought. Others have spent years pondering the answer, searching the scriptures and looking for evidence. This spring, Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry team with researchers and experts who have studied the Shroud of Turin to once again pose Christ's question to you. Who do you say I am? Today, many students go to college with numerous questions about their faith yearning to know if the seed planted in them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, 
and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. It is the perfect back-to-school gift for recent high school graduates and current college students. Get your copy for them today at patchworkheart.org or by calling 424-704-3278. That's 424-704-3278.